We told the church folks what we felt ought to be done. We didn't know whether she was conscious or not, but we began times of reading the Bible in her room, just sitting by her side and reading. Each, each believer would come in and spend some time doing that. Her husband came back from a business trip and we were there at the time that he arrived. And of course he broke down. From that point on, his whole attitude toward us changed and we were able to have a ministry in his life such as we had not had before then. For 2000 years, Christ has been extending his kingdom through ordinary faithful people. Their blood, sweat, and tears are the seeds of the global church. The gospel is spreading across the world, saving sinners, renewing nations, and changing everything. But today, many in the modern church are weak, torn, comfortable. The book of Hebrews says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses watching us from heaven, spurring us on. The stories of these faithful Christ followers who've gone before us are what we need to wake up and return to our first love for Christ's mission. Let's learn from them. On this week's episode of Cloud of Witnesses, we learn about the life and ministry of ABWE missionaries Jim and Jan Ruff, who served in Japan for 20 years in leadership training and church planting. A quick note about this first clip, there's a bit of background noise and microphone adjustment that can be heard, so we apologize for any distraction, but we think the story is worth sharing. Hi, I'm Jim Ruff. I have served with uh, ABWE since 1975. I went into the military, into the Army, Army Security Agency, and was in for four years. My first assignment was in Japan. And that was where I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was baptized in Japan by an ABWE missionary. And within a month after the time I was baptized, I knew God wanted me back in Japan as a missionary. Hello, my name is Janet Ruff, and my uh, missionary career started as a single in 1966. And I um, went to Japan in 1968 and was beginning to learn the language in Kobe, Japan. But I had met my husband before I had left. And so after 15 months, I went back to America and we were married in December of 69. And then my husband finished up his seminary work. So again, in 1975, we went back to Japan, to Kagoshima, Japan, with our three children, six, four, and six months old. We spent 20 years in Japan, and I did a lot of cooking classes and teaching ladies' ministries and also children's ministries and taught a lot of English. I was involved in leadership training. We had a small seminary in Kagoshima, Japan. I was a teacher there and eventually became the administrator. And we also were involved in church planning in uh, both Kagoshima, Yoshino, and in uh, a little town called Kokobu, where uh, with the whole Ritz family, we started a church that to this, this year is celebrating its 40th anniversary. 
Relocating your family, even to a country that you're familiar with from past experiences, is always an adjustment. Making that change with three little ones is even harder. So while the Ruffs had past experiences serving in Japan, Jim in the military, and Jan as a missionary, there was still language schooling necessary to equip them to serve their new neighbors. We arrived in 1977 toward the end of the year. The next several months were a blur. We got started with our language study. We were living in the mission house in Kagoshima. Uh, and in that wonderful place where we got to really begin our experience of being in a Japanese church, it was right down below where we lived. Uh, we, we made friends. We made all of our language mistakes right there in public with our Japanese believers, uh, began to grow in the language. We, we didn't go to a language school. The Lord brought the language school to us. The missionaries found two ladies there who were believers who knew no English. So we literally studied Japanese out of English and Japanese textbooks with Japanese ladies who knew no English. With Jim and Jan getting comfortable in Japan, Jim begins his mission serving in leadership training and education, and through this experience, becomes aware of the necessity for church planting to equip students for the school. And it's through church planting that Jim begins to see the fruit of his labor with the Japanese coming to know Christ. For the next several years, we were involved in church planting, and also together with Jack, uh, Wilsey, I was involved in starting the uh, Bible school that we had there in Kagoshima. This uh, school developed to the point where we were able to actually have not only full-time students, but we also had part-time students from the uh, churches in the area with whom we worked helping to uh, develop those churches. We were asked at the end of that term to go to Yoshino which was nearby, and take the place of the Howders in uh, a church plant that they were involved in there. That was quite an experience in those seven months, uh, not only teaching English and uh, starting uh, Bible studies with these uh, mostly younger Japanese students. Um, we really had a, a full experience of what it was like to be immersed in church planting. And one of the things that Jack and I decided very early in our experience was that unless we became church planters, we were not going to have students in that Bible school. The churches up north were not ready to send the students down yet. So that's why we were involved from that point on in church planting the next term that we had was in together with the Holritz family starting a church in Kokobu and Hayato, which was about an hour's drive away from where we were in Kagoshima and the Bible school. So our first term with my responsibilities in the Bible school, we stayed there, lived in the area of the Bible school, and then drove over to Kokobu for our meetings. The Horitzes lived in Hayato in a nice little area 
where several people began to attend our services on Sunday mornings. Some of those who attended those services became our first believers. In fact, when we started Seisen Center, which was located in Kokobu, uh, many of these came over and became English students, but we would have Sunday morning Bible studies for some of these same students. It was fascinating to see how that work began to grow. The children who came to know the Lord had quite an impact on their parents, but the parents also were curious. One of those who came was a school teacher. She and her husband both had been school teachers. He was a salesman. She called one day and said, I'm going to go down to, uh, to the islands down south and see a sorcerer this next uh, next Saturday. What do you think about that? And so I had the opportunity on the phone to open the Japanese Bible and start explaining to her in various places what it said about witchcraft. Well, the next Sunday, she was there, and I said to her, did you go? And she said, no, I didn't. I did not want to go down there. It was not long after that that she believed that our first believer had actually been involved in a cult for several years, had left that cult, was fascinated at having the Horwitzes live in their neighborhood. And uh, she actually believed one Sunday morning when I was preaching from Philippians chapter 2. Uh, and when she received Christ, we were all thrilled because this was our first adult believer after two years in this ministry. And we said to Mrs. Yotsumoto, why did you believe this morning? She said, because as I was listening and reading from Philippians chapter 2, I thought it would be multi-nai, be a waste not to believe in Jesus Christ. Well, as we see always on this show, serving as a missionary comes with exciting highs and challenging trials. And the Ruffs' experience was no different as they faced many trials through a particularly trying season while serving in Japan. As this work began to grow, we saw God do some amazing things, but it was not all uh, roses. <laughs> there were some very difficult times as well. One of the young men who had attended the Bible school, we were sort of grooming to become the pastor of this church, which we were then calling Seisen Baptist Church, Living Springs Baptist Church. We were preparing him, we were grooming him, and he pulled out of the ministry. Not only did he pull out of the ministry at that time, we learned that one of our believers who was just so precious and so full of life and joy was going to be transferred with her husband away from that area. Not only did that take place, but we found out the building that we had been meeting in at Seisen Center for years now was going to be taken back by the landlord. Not only was that taking place, but we had an evangelistic meeting one Sunday morning and after Jan and I returned home, we got a phone call from the daughter of one of our believers informing us that her mom was in the hospital. They had just taken her away and the girls were, were there 
we went immediately over and found out that she had had an, an aneurysm and uh, she never regained consciousness. So at that point, Jan and I, as we prayed about what should be done next, we told the church folks what we felt ought to be done. We didn't know whether she was conscious or not, but we began times of reading the Bible in her room, just sitting by her side and reading. Each, each believer would come in and spend some time doing that. Her husband came back from a business trip and we were there at the time that he arrived. And of course he broke down. From that point on, his whole attitude toward us changed. And we were able to have a ministry in his life such as we had not had before then. God gave us opportunities to meet neighbors when during that term. We met some wonderful neighbors nearby. One was a university professor, one was a banker, one was a dentist. And uh, each family then became so close to us as we had uh, spent time together uh, in each other's home. We would give them Bibles and they would uh, give us opportunities to do things with them. So many memories from that time that the Lord was blessing there in a very special way. When Mrs. Obama went to be with the Lord, we thought with all of these things going on at the same time, that everything was gonna fall apart. In fact, I remember driving over to uh, Kagoshima going into the uh, old Bible school and standing in the, the, the main room there and just crying out to the Lord. I said, Lord, this is, this is your work. The, you brought us here to do this. You built this up to this place. How can all of this be going on at the same time? Lord, please don't forget us. Please do what you will do to bring us comfort and confidence that you're still working through this ministry. I'd like to say that I left in absolute joy and rapture, but what I did leave with was a confidence that God was at work in all of this. And not only the funeral, but also the people who came to know the Lord shortly after this were a confirmation of what God was doing. Well, when we face these trials, the Lord wants us to call on him in faith. He doesn't promise to take away the difficulties right away, but he wants us to learn to lean on his faithfulness, his promises, whether it's with the passing of a fellow believer, member of our church, or maybe as a parent leaving a child behind in another country to go and serve on the mission field. The Lord wants us to trust in him. I think the most difficult time for me as a mother with, with children was the teenage years. Um, each of our children reacted differently, and uh, that was a very difficult time. But the Lord was always there guiding and directing. And of course, the most difficult thing for me as a mother was leaving my first child in America. Mm -hmm. She was 17, and even to this day, she's in her 50s now, but I still can sit and start crying immediately because it was so painful. But there again, it was the faithfulness of the Lord. Did I feel like quitting as a missionary? 
in my first year, probably only once a week. I only felt like quitting once a week, but I have a very kind husband who would always be there for me. And most important, a Lord that I knew had led me there and that he would provide my every need. Walking alongside a family whose child was born with Down syndrome, Jim was able to witness the blessing of this son and how he could be used to reach the family in unexpected ways. One of the unusual characteristics of Japanese medicine is that if a person has cancer or if a child is born with some unusual defect, the doctors have a tendency not to say anything. One day we were called to the hospital for a really exciting event. A baby had been born. The Hataguchi family had uh, gradually been coming to the place where uh, more and more members of the family knew the Lord, Mrs. Hataguchi, two of the children, and uh, now their next child was born, Motoshi. As soon as we arrived at the hospital and saw little Motoshi, we knew that he had Down syndrome. There was no question. But Mrs. Hataguchi wasn't told that he had Down syndrome. And so for literally months after the time little Motoshi was born, she would come to the prayer meetings and we would be talking and praying and she would be asking us to pray that the Lord would uh, help little Motoshi to be able to grow and, and get strong. Finally, one prayer meeting, she came in and tears were just streaming down her face. And she said, the doctors told me that Motoshi has Down syndrome. That was the first time that she knew, months after the baby was born. And so for the first time, we were able to really start giving comfort to Mrs. Haraguchi and to her husband and the rest of the family. After Motoshi uh, was, was born, one of the things that I had the privilege of doing was taking him into my arms and praying for him and for the family that God would use little Motoshi in a wonderful way to meet the needs of that family and to touch lives for Christ. Little knowing what God was going to do, Mrs. Hadaguchi's mother-in-law uh, often would sit nearby where the prayer meetings were going on and the Bible studies among the ladies in Mrs. Hadaguchi's house. But she would never join in. And one day they started talking about uh, Motoshikun, and uh, some of the ladies mentioned how sweet he was and how much they wanted to have him. And, and she, Mrs. Hadaguchi, the mother, said, no, we don't talk about those things. Because... Sadly, it was an embarrassment to the family to have a child that was born with some kind of a physical defect. The ladies immediately turned to her and said, Oh, no, no, you mustn't feel that way. God has blessed this family in a special way with this little, man, little boy. She didn't say anything more. But the next time a Bible study was there, she moved her cushion a little closer and she kept on working on her knitting. The next Bible study, she moved her cushion 
right to the table and kept on doing her knitting until finally she came to know Christ as her Savior. And since that time, Mrs. Hadaguchi Sr. has always said, I just hope that the Lord takes me home first so Motoshi will be able to come and meet me. One of the things that was precious about Motoshi-kun is that he loved to sing Amazing Grace. And the Japanese hymnal had the number 229, Nini-Q, as the number for Amazing Grace. We would get together on Sunday afternoons because there had been a group that had left the church, a group of the ladies, some of them were founding ladies in the church, and that story ends in a beautiful way because they went back to the church later on. We prayed that God would, would bring that to pass. But he would set every, everything up in the room, and then he would sit there waiting. And when we were singing at the end, he'd always say, Nini Q. Sing Nini Q in Japanese. So we would sing it, and he was always happy. In fact, if he would, if he'd fallen asleep, he would wake up just in time to say that before our service would end. I had the joy of baptizing him with his dad standing next to me, not a believer, but he was the one who helped me as, as we baptized Motoshi-kun. And uh, he's not yet made a profession of faith, but his dad did on his deathbed. And Pastor Nishino and I had the privilege of being there with him when he died and to do his funeral. God has worked in that family in such an amazing way, not only there, but also with another aunt and a nephew, all coming to Christ, and most of them going back to the time when Motoshi was born and began to be a, a, a loving believer in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Um, Motoshi's in his 30s now. It's hard to believe. But what a wonderful blessing he was to all of us. After serving 20 years in Japan, Jim began to have severe back pain and issues that would require him and Jan to come back to the U.S. earlier than they'd planned. Well, this change in their plans left Jim feeling like he was failing the people that he was called to serve. But God used this to help him see that God can change the direction of any one of his servants at any time and use it for his purposes and for his glory. When I, we were preparing to leave, I received a phone call one day from Becky Shook, and they had had the, the very special privilege of planning the party, the celebration for her dad, Paul, as they were leaving the field and he was coming back to the United States uh, in retirement. And Becky said, Jim, we've been talking it over and we would like to have a party for you. And it was, a, it was a strange feeling that came over me at that time because, to be honest, I, I really felt like I was failing. We, we loved the Japanese people. We had served among them for decades. We had no desire to leave. And yet, because of my physical problems, we realized we were going to have to leave. And I told Becky, I, I appreciate with all my heart what you're saying, 
but please don't have a party for us when we go. Don't have a celebration. Um, it hurts for us to go. It was a time of, of difficult transition in every way. But I learned a valuable lesson through that. Not only how hard it was to leave the people I loved in Japan and still love to this day, they're still in our hearts and always will be, but also that God can change direction in our lives and ministries. That it's not wrong for a ministry that has been going well and that has been blessed of the Lord and, and a ministry that you are doing with all your heart to be ended by the Lord for His reasons to move into something else that He would have you to do. I think sometimes there's a sense among missionaries and among churches that there's a failure involved, that, that once you've committed yourself to a ministry somewhere, you've got to stay there until you retire. In many cases, that's what happens, but sometimes the Lord changes our directions. As long as we continue to stay faithful to Him and He, he moves us to the place where He'd have us to be, we need to find a way in which to rejoice in that. Even though the hurt is still there, having to say goodbye to the, the ones you love, there's something more the Lord has in mind for us that will be just as rewarding. All I can say in all of my years as a missionary, 40, 50 some years, is he never fails us and he is faithful every step of the way. When the Ruffs returned to the U.S., Jim began to serve in a new role at ABWE as the Associate Director of the International Training Center. In this position, Jim traveled to visit various ABWE missionaries, coaching them and providing training for pre-field missionaries and partnering in the development of training courses and seminars at the headquarters. Jim and Jan's story helps us see the fruit that comes from faithfully witnessing and sharing the love of Christ with our neighbors. And that no matter where the Lord places you, he will use the talents that he has given you for his kingdom. Cloud of Witnesses is a production of ABWE. I'm your host, Alex Kochman. Our production director is Grant Boring. Our researcher and interviewer is Jay York. Production support is provided by Tito Estevez. Additional voiceovers by Jason Younger. Get equipped to make disciples and learn more about how you can reach the nations at abwe.org. Cloud of Witnesses is a production of ABWE. ABWE is a global family of ministries reaching more than 80 countries by sharing Christ, planting churches, and training Christian leaders. After nearly 100 years, ABWE is continuing to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You can help us advance the kingdom for the next 100 years and beyond by supporting the mission through the Global Gospel Fund. Learn more at abwe.org forward slash cloud.